Hey, it's Laura. All right, so today I am doing a solo episode that I've actually been working on for a couple of months. We are going to talk about jealousy and envy, the purposes they serve, and the way we blow ourselves up with them. It starts with this story that I'll tell you about in just a minute, but when this this thing, this precipitating incident happened, it pushed me to ask, okay, do I want more of this kind of pain or am I going to say enough and try something new? And I needed to try something new because these spirals that I would have, these jealousy or envy spirals, they were intense and I wanted different. I didn't want to continue to feel that way. So I got digging into it and talking about it and reading about it and thinking about it. And this episode is a culmination of some of the most helpful things that I found. So here's what's next. We are going to dig into what jealousy is and how it differs from envy, because it turns out that distinction is important. We'll take a look at what some social psychologists and researchers have identified as the purpose of these things, because they do have a purpose. They're not here to just torture us. (laughs) And then I'm going to outline one super helpful process that I came up with to help work with this energy. Before we get started, though, there's something important I want to call out. Identifying versus comparing. So you're going to hear me share things about my life, about the areas where jealousy and envy hit me. And it might be areas that you don't have much experience or it's just not reflective of your life. So that's okay. The point is not to compare our specific experiences, but instead to identify with the feelings and ask, am I familiar with this feeling? Where does it show up in my life? So Okay, identify, not compare. And then two quick things before I jump in. First, if you're a TMST Plus member, I spent some time talking about all of this with my friend Christy Tate. You may know her. She is the author of Group, a New York Times bestseller about her experience in group therapy. Came out in 2020. Christy and I have had so many conversations about jealousy and envy, and which is such a gift because there's very few people who you can share these kinds of really gross, uncomfortable feelings with. You can hear the conversation that Christy and I had about this in the member-only feed. And that takes me to number two. If you want to become a member and hear that conversation, you can make that happen um, while also financially supporting the show for as little as $5 a month uh, to keep this a very uncommercial kind of podcast, ad-free, And to do that, you just head over to tmsdpod.com to make it happen. If you don't want to do that, totally fine. There's so much juice in this episode anyway, but I wanted to let you know it's there. All right, here we go. So here's the story. Uh, on the Saturday morning, a couple months ago, I woke up, had coffee with my boyfriend, probably did the wordle, talked to the cats, and then for no reason, I went down to the couch and went down this Instagram rabbit hole. There actually was a reason, which I figured out later, and I'll get into that at the end, but 
you know, sometimes these Instagram rabbit holes or Facebook or whatever, TikTok, whatever your your thing is, they're just pure zone out dopamine hit type stuff, you know, mind numbing, just like pull the slot machine of the algorithm type of stuff. You might land in cat video land, you might end up buying eucalyptus sheets that nobody needs, you may stumble on, I don't know, astrology for politicians, it doesn't matter. But then there's this kind of thing that I was doing, which is really sneaky, because I don't always know what I'm up to until later. And it's really masochistic. I know it's going to hurt, upset, tweak me, but I do it anyway. I went and looked at a certain author's Instagram page, and I won't name them because it's irrelevant. I know we all have these people, or at least we have these feelings. There might be just certain specific people or just sort of a category of person, you know, women that look like this, men that look like this, people who have achieved this type of success. So I'm going to focus more on the feelings, not the specific person. Here's what happens. I land on this page, which I don't follow because of <laughs> because of how it makes me feel. I land on this page and I feel this very predictable uprush of anxiety. My face gets hot, my chest tightens, my breath gets shorter, my mind starts racing. And the recent post is a, of a podcast interview that she's done. And I don't want to read the caption, but I read the caption, but I read it like really fast because I'm trying to kind of look but not look. And I'm feeling sicker and sicker by the second. And and then I notice, of course, how many people liked it and how many people commented and how many followers th- this person has. And it's like one big engulfing swirl of just awful over the course of maybe two minutes. I'm transported to a totally different place, a bad place. And when this happened, it was at least the hundredth time I've done this with this one author. And I went to, you know, you we want to escape this feeling really fast. And <laughs> as women, our, what we are trained to do is reputation destruction, right? We find a way to judge, bring down, talk shit, say something snarky about this person. It's what we're trained to do. And... I didn't do that. I have done that in the past, um, but I didn't do that this time. I sent a text to my friend, Christy, and I just said, this thing that happens <laughs> happened again, and I just want to name it. That was the end of my text, and she just wrote back, yep, you know you're not alone. Like I said, we've had many conversations about this. As someone in recovery, I have learned to just name these things when they come up. So that's what I did on that day a couple months ago, on that Saturday. So this feeling is just, like I said, this hot, burning feeling. Like I'm in some kind of free fall. Something terrible is happening. It feels like anger and fear mixed together, but there's something else in there too, like this feeling of injustice and resentment and annoyance. And I feel small and insignificant and kind of like, what's the point? 
Like it brings me so low. Like what's the point of my work? What's the, like, I'm, I'm nothing. And then comes in the shame because this feeling feels petty and small and unevolved and like, why can't I just be happy? And I'm such a loser for feeling this and so on. So on top of the jealousy spiral, we'll call it jealousy, even though I wouldn't, I didn't use that word and I I never really knew, I suspected, but I didn't really know if what I had felt when I engaged with this person's work was jealousy or what. Um, But we'll call it jealousy. But on top of that, there's this shame spiral. And this is something I posted actually over the weekend before I recorded this on Instagram, asking for you to submit questions or thoughts for me about jealousy. And first of all, I received so many. I don't know if I've ever received so many direct messages and comments and um, question submissions from the story as I did when talking about jealousy. And that says a lot. Uh, it says that we all we are all experiencing this for one, but that this is like, this is something we need to talk about. And I, I know that. That's why I'm doing this. So one of the things, though, that came through is this shame spiral attached to the, the jealousy itself, the fact that we feel shitty about feeling shitty, <laughs> which is super unhelpful. Okay, so on this day, after I sent my te- the text to my friend Christy, I decided to go for a run and just let it kind of burn through. And on that run... I decided I really wanted to get to like the bottom of this thing or at least make some ground on it instead of just trying to stuff it down, hoping it doesn't come back, knowing it's going to come back because this is something that's just reoccurring and reoccurring and reoccurring and clearly there's something in it, right? So I decided I wanted to dig in. So like I said, I started reading, researching, thinking, talking about it. And that's how we've landed here. This is a huge topic. I what I realized when I got into it is it's huge. There's layers and layers and so many scenarios and nuances. So I don't think this is the last time I'm going to talk about it on the show. I plan to bring in some probably experts like therapists, clinicians, researchers, and so on. But For this conversation, I'm going to first cover, like I said, what jealousy is and how it differs from envy. So that's where we're going to go now. All right. I mostly looked into Brene Brown's work, specifically in Atlas of the Heart, but also Carla McLaren's book, The Language of Emotions. I have had that book for quite a long time. I find it super helpful. And I looked in a couple other sources as well, but those two I found were the most helpful. And in all the research that I did, there's this endless debate about the differences between jealousy and envy. But it does seem like there is a consensus that, one, there's a difference and that they do something, they have different instructions for us. So Brene provides these two definitions, which I think are the best. Envy occurs when we want something that another person has. 
So envy occurs when we want something that another person has. Jealousy is when we fear losing a relationship or a valued part of a relationship that we already have. I'll say those again. Envy occurs when we want something that another person has. Jealousy is when we fear losing a relationship or a valued part of a relationship that we already have. So that's interesting because I don't know that I've, what I've experienced is so much jealousy at all, but, but much more envy. Carla McLaren's research agrees with this, but the wording is slightly different on envy and I really like it. So she says, jealousy arises in response to perceived or real unfaithfulness or deceit in an intimate relationship. So it's always relational. This is jealousy. So it's about threats to reproductive survival or value as a mate, according to her. And envy arises in response to unfair distribution of resources or recognition. So it's about threats to your social position and connection to resources like money, food, privilege, protection, belonging, and status. That sounds very familiar. (laughs) So what I, well, a couple more things. Both uh, jealousy and envy contain a mixture of anger and fear and can sometimes include hatred, which is a whole other thing where we have to explore our shadow. Uh, And I'm not going to get into that in this episode. But envy involves two people, where jealousy typically involves three. Envy is between you and what another person has that you want. And jealousy is involves three people because it's usually about a threat of this third person um, taking, in, compromising the relationship, threatening the, the relationship that you have. Could be a friendship, could be a romantic relationship, could even be a close work relationship. Or a sibling relationship. So this made me think that oftentimes what I've called jealousy is envy. I don't, I don't experience the definition of jealousy defined this way very often. I certainly, of course, have. But that's not, I don't spend a lot of energy there. Um, but envy, yes, for sure. So from here on out, I'm going to use en- the word envy to talk about what I'm experiencing because that's what was coming up for me. Jealousy seems to be a very different conversation. And I will bring someone in to talk about that. This is a whole thing, jealousy and romantic relationships, especially. So this is not going to be about that. This is going to be more about the envy. All right. So after sitting and thinking about this and working through this particular example myself, as well as others from my past, I came up with a process to actually work with this feeling, this energy when it comes up. And I've determined that there's sort of this fork where when something like this comes up, we have to determine right away the first question is, is this coming from a place of genuine longing or a place of perceived lack? So is this longing envy 
or lack envy. And I'll explain exactly what that means in a second. But the instruction for if it's longing, if it's pointing to something that we actually deeply want and long for, that's instructive in one way. And if it points toward this feeling of lack, perception of lack, that points somewhere else. So in my late 20s and early 30s, I could not read memoirs from other women or even blogs without feeling kind of insane. I did it, but it always hurt terribly. Like my friends and I would pass around blogs, which at the time, there weren't that many. Uh, One of them was Heather Armstrong. Some of you may know her or Deuce. She went by Deuce, goes by Deuce, I think still. And I would get this whenever a new post would come up, I would get this racy, achy, wild feeling, similar to what I described earlier, although not so acute. It made me feel, it hurt, like there were these like daggers in my heart. And as I got older, it got worse because I wanted some part of that so badly. It was pointing to a longing. I didn't really know that at the time. I kind of knew it, but didn't know it. But my world was so far away from anything like that, that it didn't feel real. I wanted to write so badly, though, and to write about my experiences specifically, and I wasn't doing that. And over time, that longing got bigger and bigger, and I felt more desperate and honestly depressed. I've talked about this a lot in my book, Uh, It was just, you know, to know that you're not fulfilling your potential, that you're not doing the thing that you could be doing, or at least trying to do it. I don't know that there's anything more painful than that. Uh, I, I remember in 2013, so clearly, someone sending me Glennon Doyle's blog. That was back when it was Momastery. She was Glennon Melton Doyle. And I... I don't think I'd ever heard of her before. Uh, If I had, I hadn't really paid attention, but I went right to her bio after I read the blog posts. And the bio, she, she shared just like point blank that she was a recovering addict and bulimic. She had three kids. She was married to Craig. And it was like, it read, it was maybe a paragraph. It was funny as is typical she's she's funny and it was just like hit you over the head like these are the things that are true about me I'm a recovering addict and bulimic I have three kids and this is who I am and I had like a picture of her and I thought I want that I want to do that (laughs) I didn't want to have her her life per se but I wanted to be doing the thing that she had just done which is to be able to say, this is what I've been through, this is who I am, this is what I've experienced, and to talk about it in a open, honest, public way. And I specifically knew that I wanted to talk about being sober. I I was just at the beginning of my journey. I knew I was going to have to get sober. It would be like another year, but I, I had that this intense feeling of want and It wasn't about her, it was about the thing she was doing and the way she was doing it. And I would would have that same feeling when I would go to any author readings, that same racy, just like heart pounding feeling. 
So I'll contrast that with, say, something else. So, so that was a longing type of envy, longing envy. Now I'll contrast that with something else that I had a had lifelong feelings about, and most most people do, most women, other women's bodies. I always wanted to have a different body than I did. Not always, but definitely from being, you know, like time I was like 13 on. I wanted to be smaller, of course. I wanted to have a small waist because I'm built kind of straight. I wanted to be like less thick and athletic, smaller shoulders, smaller everything, smaller, right? That's the name of the game. And I would obsess over, and this was in the 90s when it was like peak you know, late 80s, 90, into the 90s, through the 90s, peak, like, sort of Kate Moss, super thin envy. And I would obsess over other women's bodies throughout high school, college, all through my 20s, sure, that if I just had this certain kind of body that was not my body, every single other thing in my life would fall into place. Everything would be easy. I would never feel pain. I would never feel insecure. I would feel better. I would feel not just better. I would glide through life. Nothing would touch me. I would have no problems. Nothing would hurt. And I focused inordinate amounts of attention and energy on trying to change my body. So I would obsess over then, then, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I would, so I had a, I've talked about this before, I had a a really bad eating disorder at the end of high school. I did lose a ton of weight. Uh, I got down to a weight that was just totally inappropriate for my body. And then I kind of ricocheted and went in the other direction, binging, gained all this weight back and then some in college. And from that point on, I would obsess over getting back to this period of my life in high school in very early college where I had this eating disorder and weighed a horribly inappropriate weight for my body. And which is so wild because I was numb and completely miserable and afraid all that time. I didn't enjoy any aspect of it. It It didn't deliver on all those things that I thought it would. But I still, so deep was the fantasy, and this is very much cultural, as we know, so deep was the fantasy of having a thin body and what that would mean for me, that it was, it took up so much of my precious attention and energy and time. But then later in life, like mid 30s, no, when I had my daughter, early 30s, my when my addiction started to get really bad with alcohol, I did get small. I lost an atrocious amount of weight after my daughter was born because of postpartum and and because the drinking really picked up. And so great, I was smaller, but I was in, that was the most painful period of my life. I was even darker than my high school days when I had the eating disorder. And so what I would have called envy here in both of these cases about the authors and about smaller bodies. It sort of feels the same. That has the same feeling tones in our body. We obsess, we get depressed, we feel constricted and tight. And if you 
if you don't sit with it, or it took actually a good amount of sitting with it to figure out what the difference was. And again, the author envy was pointing me towards this honest longing. I wanted that specifically. I truly wanted to be a writer. And it hurt because it was in me and I wasn't doing it. And I I don't think, this isn't scientific. <laughs> I don't know if there's any research to back this up, but my experience is, I don't think you can genuinely desire something. And I'm not talking about desiring the feelings that you think something is going to give you, the fantasy of that thing. I'm talking about genuine desire for something. I don't think you can genuinely desire something that's not in you in some way. Um, so this was like a soul level longing. I didn't want to be like this particular writer or that writer. I wanted to write myself. But the smaller body, that was pointing to other things. And I need to say, like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel a certain way about your body at all. But that wasn't what this was about. When this was about the the lack type of envy. And when we have the lack type of envy, the equation goes something like this. If I have X, I will be Y. If I have X, I will feel Y. So it's always, if I have this, I will get that. So in the case of the smaller body, if I have a smaller body, I will be loved. If I have a smaller body, I will get affection. If I have a smaller body, I will never feel ashamed of myself. If I have a smaller body, I won't be scared. If I have a smaller body, I'll be confident. If I have a smaller body, I'll be powerful. And on and on. If I have a smaller body, I will be safe. Once I went into this, went down that list, and I wrote all these out, by the way, and once I got to this, if I have a smaller body, I'll be safe, that was the big light bulb for me. This is almost always what it comes down to when I have these feelings. I want to be safe and guarded from pain, failure, judgment, discomfort. I want to be safe. And this lack kind of envy, I'm going to go keep going into this, but the, this lack kind of envy is always, always a lie. It's always a lie. A lie in the sense that it's coming from a place within us that 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 is develops uh, it arises from a genuine need or desire but the story we have about what this thing would bring us that it would bring those things to us that part's a lie and it's also a lie based on the fact that it it comes from these this perceived sense of lack and scarcity so if we made these two different paths or types of envy into equations they would look like this. The equation for longing envy is I want. That's the equation. I want. I want X. This is helpful. It's useful. It's instructive. We kind of know what to do with it. I mean, we may not know how to get 
from A to B, but we just being able to say, yes, this is something I genuinely long for and I want it is really helpful. It might come with all kinds of things like, oh, that scares me and there's this and there's that. Okay, fine. But it's pretty straightforward. The equation for lack envy, though, is like I said, if I have this, I will get that. And that alone is not helpful on its own. Like I said, it's always a lie and we always have to examine it further. Sometimes, of course, both things could be true. There could be a situation where there's a piece of something that is that, that speaks to a genuine longing in you, and then there's all kinds of other stuff in this sort of cloud of envy that speaks to a, a lack, this place, this, these sort of lies. So you got to pull those apart. But when, we, when you figure out that you're stuck in lack envy, I've outlined these ways to work through it. I do this on paper. I find that when you pull something, when you start to put something on paper, it pulls it out of this headspace that I live in all the time and brings it into the body and more of the heart emotional space. Okay, the first thing is to don't judge yourself. That whole shame spiral, we really, really demonize envy and jealousy. And, And we shouldn't. They're there for a reason. It's one of the most common feelings in the world. I mean, it's there. We can't get rid of it completely. We never will. And it's not a small person feeling or a less than person thing to feel. It's just human. It's totally human. So as best as you can, try to just not judge yourself and have some compassion for what's there. Second, write out two lists. So I mentioned that in the research, I found that both jealousy and envy, we're dealing just with envy, but they include anger and fear. So they are not, in the research that I found anyway, they're not um, specific feelings themselves. They are more experiences that include a lot of different elements. And two of those elements are anger and fear. So you're going to create two lists and you have to be totally honest and just kind of as low and gross and small as you need to be, burn it or shred it afterwards. It's important that you don't try to make yourself sound spiritual and enlightened when you do this. Like say the thing that's there, it takes a lot of the power of it away. All right, so I will use my own about this experience with this particular author. This makes me angry because she's sucking up all the oxygen in the room. She's hogging all the attention. I've worked so hard and nobody is listening. Everything she does is blockbuster level success and it doesn't make sense to me. It makes me angry because people worship every word she says and it's exhausting and annoying. It makes me angry because, oh, this is this is a really good one. She's not even that talented. And that's not true. It's <laughs> It's like, that is just my way of trying to feel better. But I wrote this stuff down because it's actually what comes up. So that is my angry list. And there's there's more. I'm just giving you a taste. Then you go to the fear list. And it goes like this. This makes me afraid that, one, nobody will listen to me. 
there's not enough for me, my work doesn't matter, I'm insignificant, I'm not talented, the world isn't fair, I'm not special. And there's more, but that gives you a taste. Okay, the fear, the anger list is there to, to, to get all that stuff out. And even as you write those, some of these, those things down, you can look at it and instantly recognize it as untrue. Um, but, but you got to write it down. You got to say it so much. I think of the pain that we experience with this envy and, and jealousy is that we stuff it down and that's why it turns into shame. So, okay, then back to the, the fear list. So with each fear that you write down, turn the fear statement into a want. In other words, this is shining lights, lights a light on things that you want and need. So for example, my first one was nobody will listen to me. I want to be heard. Another thing was there's not enough for me. I want to have enough. I fear that my work doesn't matter. I want for my work to matter. There's a fear that I'm insignificant. I want to be significant. And the question here is, there's always this, to who? (laughs) To whom? I want my work to matter to whom? I want to be significant to whom? Okay, another one. I'm not talented. I want to be seen as talented. Again, by whom? And, And the key word there is seen. I have this need for validation. Another one, the world isn't fair. <laughs> I want to have the world be fair. Back to that whole safety thing. Um, and then the last one that I, that I gave you, this fear that I'm not special. And I want to be special. Do I want to be special to everyone? No. If I look at the root of where that comes from, it's very easy to see. I want to be special. It's the total little girl in me. I want to be special to my parents. This has nothing to do with this author. It has nothing to do with anybody. I've just painted all of this onto a person. And in and of itself, just writing this list is like, it's it's hard to look at, but it's like, oh, I see. <laughs> okay, I can work with some of these things. Now, that's not the end of it, sorry. We're going to go back to that equation. So just to recap, the first part is don't judge. Second part is write these two lists, anger and fear. Third part, complete this sentence. If I had X, I would get Y. You have to name the X specifically. So a lot of times when, at least for me, I don't know what it is that I'm feeling this swirl about. It's like this this whole general situation. (laughs) <laughs> the whole general thing about this person, this author, and and I ha- you have to get specific about it. So you got to name the X. 
because it starts to get really interesting when you do. Okay, so if I had the first X I named, if I had 3 million followers, which is a made up number, I would be worthy. If I had 3 million followers, I would be protected from insecurity. If I had 3 million followers, I would be superior. Yes. If I had 3 million followers, I would be insulated from judgment. If I had 3 million followers, I would be validated. That's a big one. And if I had 3 million followers, here it is, I would be safe. I'm going to use another X in the equation. If I had multiple New York Times bestselling books, all the same Ys apply in this case. If I had multiple New York Times bestselling books, I would be worthy. I would be protected. I would be superior. I would be insulated from judgment. I would be validated. I would be safe. This is so, this was so helpful to see. Because the bottom line thing that I want is to be safe. I want to be safe and free from feelings of pain and judgment and discomfort. I want to be everyone's number one. I want to be liked by all. I want to be safe. And of course, what I see when I get, when I write this out and really drill down is I want something that is impossible. I want to be free of my humanity. I want to be like, I want something that's not possible. And when I look at, when I really look at the X's, 3 million followers, multiple New York Times bestselling books. Do I really think that those things are going to equate to that? Of course not. I can really feel that. It's not just knowledge where you go, okay, yeah, I know. I should feel this way. I should feel that way. It's like, no, that wouldn't get me there. And I'll get more into that. So I wanted to use an example that's not specific to writing because I know that applies to a small percentage of people. When I asked you this uh, when I asked you about jealousy on Instagram, so many people got back to me and said they are envious of people who can drink normally. I totally get that. I used to feel that way. So I'm going to use that. So I'm going to do the if I had X, I would get Y equation for this. Here we go. If I could drink normally, I would be accepted. If I could drink normally, I could have an escape from my feelings. If I could drink normal. Normally, I would be comfortable. If I could drink normally, I wouldn't be lonely. If I could drink normally, I wouldn't be judged. If I could drink normally, I would be fun. If I could drink normally, I would be included. If I could drink normally, I wouldn't be ashamed. If I could drink normally, I would be loved. Now, I felt every single one of those. And one of the things that helped me, I wrote about this a lot in my book, was to not try to pretend that I didn't feel those things. To 
feel them, allow them to be felt. With you know, before I jump right into examining them and telling myself it wasn't true and da 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 da, because of the reasons like that I said that we sort of vilify these feelings, they feel small and stupid and immature. But if I could just let myself feel these things, it that helped. And then, if you look at each of these statements and really examine if it sounds true, okay, would being able let's talk about this very literally, would being able to put a few ounces of a certain type of liquid into your body a few times a week actually deliver acceptance, comfort, connectedness, fun, inclusion, not being ashamed, being loved, and giving you an escape from your feelings? I can tell you knowing far more people who drink than don't, the answer is no. Alcohol can never deliver these things to you. Never. Just like 3 million followers on Instagram or multiple New York Times bestselling books cannot deliver those things to you. It's truly wherever you go, there you are. Nobody is free from the work required to find some level of acceptance, comfort, connectedness, joy, feeling a part of, not feeling ashamed, and so on in themselves. No one is free from that. So the question is then, how can you cultivate those things in your life? Let me just go back to that for one second. You've applied this fantasy to people who can quote unquote drink normally, thinking that it's delivering all those things to them. It's not. They still have to do all that, those same things. They just so happen to be able to put a few ounces of a certain type of liquid into their body without some like major consequence. That's it. But they don't get all those things that you think would come from alcohol from alcohol. <laughs> they don't get that because they can quote unquote drink normally. They don't. They have they still have those things because everyone has to do this work. And they're looking at something else and going, if only I could do that, I would get those things, right? So the question is of course, how can you cultivate those things in your own life, your inner life and and your in your outer life? So what I did is in my example, I wrote down the things that I thought, you know, I would get if I was, had 3 million followers and multiple New York Times bestselling, whatever's, Uh, I would be worthy. So I had to look at proof in my life already that I'm worthy. And where does this worthiness come from? I have a lot of proof. Worthy, I don't, I this one is weird because the worthy thing I think is like the bottom, like the sort of ground floor that we all bump up against, but I don't know that I actually know what it means. It's so, it's such a weird thing. Like I can say it and I, and yet I don't know exactly how to talk to it. Like, I guess it's, am I worthy of being loved? Am I worthy of being accepted just on the fact that I exist? Okay, I, 
I would be protected from insecurity is another one. So I had to look at like, am I really, really insecure? Where am I secure in my life? And what what am I actually really good at? And the truth is there's there are some things there. Like there's a, there's a good amount there that I can be really proud of and that I know that I'm good at. I'm not good at lots of other things, but I there are places where I have a lot of confidence and security. And if you find that you don't, okay, so we need to cultivate that. Even if you look for the smallest amounts of proof that that's there for you, it's it's it will ground you in reality. This other stuff is total fantasy. It's a belief in the lack. I would be superior was another one. And I had to go, do I even really want that? No. What that actually points to is safety. It's back to the whole safety thing. Um, I would be insulated from judgment and failure. Ha. That's never true. I know that. No, the more followers you get, the less true that becomes. There's more people looking. It's never true. Again, this one points to safety. Almost all of these point to safety again. It's what I want. I want to be free of my humanity. I want to not feel pain or judgment or fear. I want to be safe from all of that. Okay, so in this way, we can pull apart our the story we have about this person that we're envious of or this situation outside of ourselves and actually ground it in our own needs and wants what we crave. And what in the process of doing this, it just straight up kills some of these ideas that we have when we examine them because we can just see just outright how silly our story is. And the reality is, I would be willing to say that 95% of the time, whatever we imagine life is like for that other person, whatever we've attached to their situation, it's a projection. It's not their reality. I'm not saying that this should, I'm not saying you have to hope that this person's actually miserable. What I'm saying is that they're not getting the feelings you imagine they're getting from the circumstances. If you're getting them, if they're getting them, safety, love, worthiness, all of that, it's because they've done that work internally. It's got nothing to do with the circumstances. So, there's a, I have a, a little anecdotal proof of this, which is interesting. Some of you may know Holly Whitaker. Um, she and I did home podcasts together from 2015 to 18. She's one of the people that um, I would say is closest, has been closest to me in my life and such a huge, huge part of my path. And uh, she wrote Quit Like a Woman. And we um, talked recently and we were talking about we we hadn't talked for a while and we talked recently and reconnected about the past like couple of years and in some sharing we we both said to each other I've been so envious of you and watching you imagining like it has felt so unfair and so like this hot jealousy or envy that you were winning. You were you were winning. We've always sort of pitted each other against one another. And 
that's fine. It was just the way that it went. There's lots underneath there. Maybe when someday her and I will talk about it. But it's because we started out together. We both published books at the same time. We we're both talking about the same topic. And we compared each other. To I compared her to me and me to her and all of that. And she did the same. And so it was always like this, this I perceived that she was winning. To me, by every outside measure, she was winning. She has a bigger following. Her book hit the New York Times bestseller list. It was on... Um, and just like that, the Sex in the, Sex in the City follow-up, it hit all these major, you know, huge publications. It Chrissy Teigen picked it up. On and on and on. All these outside measures. And I didn't know what was going on in her internal world because we weren't talking at that time. But <clears throat> I was very envious angry, resentful, all those things that I felt like she won. She was winning. Like, fine, you you win. You could have it. And this, I spent a lot of energy there. Turns out she felt the same things and was very much baffled that I felt that. And I was similarly baffled that she felt that way. Because in my mind, it's just so obvious. Like, you won. What are you talking about? And in her mind, she feels the same way. What do you mean? You win. This Having that conversation, we can't always have that conversation with people that we feel envious about, but sometimes we can. And we, we shouldn't do it in order to see if they feel the same way, because they may not feel the same way. But the, the cathartic quality of that conversation, I cannot even begin to express because it's just all this energy, all this time, all this, oh, so much was spent in that space. And it didn't need to. I was imagining something that wasn't true in her experience. And she was imagining the same in mine. All right. I am about to wrap this up. Just a couple more points. So second to last, get curious about the pattern. So I mentioned at the very beginning of the show that when I went down this Instagram rabbit hole and looked at this author's Instagram, knowing it would hurt me, I was totally sabotaging. I was facing um, the end of having to turn in the manuscript for this book feeling all kinds of self-doubt. I was late turning it in. It was this weird, twisty way of incapacitating myself and emotionally cutting. That's what it was. I was emotionally cutting. And this was helpful to know. It's like, I've done this when I feel really good, which is interesting. And I've done it when I feel really bad. If these people or situations are something that you can avoid, then do avoid them. So first, be curious about the pattern. You might be surprised when this comes up. And if these things are something you can avoid, you should avoid them. We're not meant to have this much input. And this is mostly has to do with social media. I don't know that I experience this type of envy in my day-to-day life. It's always about social media. 
And social media is so destructive that way. I've unfollowed, I've actually unfollowed so many people just because it's not healthy for me. It has no reflection on them or, or their work, but I felt like I had to follow them or I should follow them. And and that it, it was not in alignment with me and it didn't do me any favors. And so I have stopped doing that. And it feels really, it feels kind. That's what it feels like feels kind to me to do that because look at the end of the day my god the amount of time i've spent in this place has cost me so much and we just don't have that kind of time we don't have that kind of time the last thing i want to leave you with is talk about it talk about this let's talk about it more and more and more i know for being in recovery Nothing has helped more than having conversations with other people who have been going, who go through the same thing I do. This is another one of those areas that feels very taboo and shamey, and it doesn't need to be. If if you listen to the sort of bonus section, Christy and I talk about about this, and I left that conversation feeling so much better just having had it. It breaks up that tension. It breaks up that hard block of darkness that we that we hold in our bodies every time we shove this down and and try to push it away and pretend like it's not happening and so on like we say in recovery open your mouth to save your ass open your mouth talk about envy talk about jealousy i so hope this was helpful it was a lot i realized um you can always listen again and i do want to keep having this conversation we're going to look for some people to bring in to talk especially about the jealousy piece of it let us know what you think. I'm so curious. You can always head over to my Instagram. It's where I post the episodes. You can shoot us a message on our website, tmstpod.com. Let us know what you think. And please, 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 if you enjoy the show, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. It helps. And give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Be back in your ears soon.